Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for today comes to us from the Acts of the Apostles, the fifth chapter. My dear friends in Christ, this is Good Shepherd Sunday. It's kind of weird that we take a break right in the middle of the Easter season from hearing the text about Jesus' resurrection to focus on something like this, a theme that we see all throughout the Scriptures. And yet we must do so, because it is that the Good Shepherd who was struck down and killed has risen from the dead and now lives and reigns to all eternity, even bringing to you the promise of everlasting life. What better time to celebrate during the Easter season this fact, that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Now, this is an image, the Good Shepherd, that is in the Old Testament and it is in the New And I think, you know, one of the most poignant places we find it in the Old Testament is actually, well, part of the hymn that we just sang. It's Psalm 23, that ubiquitous psalm that we have at almost every funeral, it seems, and in so many other places. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. you got to imagine these people hearing that God is their shepherd, understand that God is their shepherd, but they don't know God. They can't touch God. They can't see God. They have God as their shepherd. They see how He's worked. They see how He's guided them. And yet, as they look to God, it's like hearing the voice of God calling from behind the hills and not being able to find Him. And so, in the New Testament, when we see Jesus come on the scene, when we see God incarnate walking amongst us, finally, Do we know our Good Shepherd face to face? And not only do we know Him, but we can see Him, we can touch Him, we can hear Him, and still today we even are invited to taste Him. Our Good Shepherd is Jesus Christ. The relief that must have come across the disciples as they finally understood that this Jesus who had risen from the dead, who had claimed to be the shepherd of the sheep of God, we could find Him, see Him, touch Him, hear Him. That has got to be an incredible feeling. I think it's something that we often take for granted. That this Jesus is knowable. It's different a little bit for us because, of course, we do not see Jesus right now face to face. He's not bodily present with us here. And we long for that day, don't we, when we can see him? So it is a little bit different for us as we come here in the 21st century than these people 2,000 years ago. And yet the promise that Christ is coming back The promise that he's going to raise you up out of your grave. 
The promise that you're going to live forever with Him. The promise that you'll see God face to face. This is more sure to you than the promise that the sun will rise tomorrow. The idea that Jesus is your shepherd should be a much more dear promise, a much more certain promise, a thing in which you pin all of your hopes and desires than anything else in this world. And if you are in Christ, and you are in Christ, then I know this is true. It may be a struggle sometimes to always hold on to this, but it's there. It's there. That Jesus is the very shepherd who guides us. He is the one who leads us, who protects us. He is the one whose voice we know. And that voice comes to us through the gospel. That's how we learn who Jesus is. When He calls to us, when He whistles at us, when He directs us in all the ways that He desires us to go, we hear Him and we know Him. This is an amazing thing. It's kind of like those sheep, and I'm sure you've probably seen some video of this, either on TV or maybe on YouTube. A shepherd will be calling his sheep out in the the highlands of Scotland or somewhere out in Ireland or something like this. And with a whistle, the sheep change direction on the hill and start moving back in another way. This is without even the direction of a border collie. This is just by the very voice of the shepherd. Or you've probably seen something too where the shepherd of the sheep will be calling out to the sheep and there'll be a person that they don't know doing the same. And the sheep will follow after their shepherd. It's an amazing thing to know the voice of your shepherd. And you may know the voice of Jesus by the very gospel that's preached to you. It really is incredible. On Good Shepherd Sunday, there's a lot that we can talk about. We have already. But, I mean, we can talk about things like how small the sheep brain actually is. I had to dissect one in college. They're very, very tiny. They're very, very dumb creatures. I mean, seriously, there's not much to them. They eat and and drink and, and get in trouble, and that's about all that sheep do. And so we could talk about us being those kinds of sheep. It's true. We could talk more about the idea that the shepherd is guiding us in different ways and how he wants us to go. We could even talk about all of those different ways. But I think it's one thing to do that and another thing to think of how Jesus is shepherding us today. Because we've already mentioned he's not bodily present with us. So how does he do this? Well, Paul actually talks about this in our reading from Acts, where Paul demonstrates what it is to be the under-shepherd to Jesus. He does this by showing the pastors of the church of Ephesus Paul as a pastor. And so today, we're going to talk about the call. The doctrine of the call, the office of the public ministry of the gospel. Talk about all of this. When Paul is speaking here, 
Paul is speaking to the pastors of Ephesus. Now, these are men that are that Paul put in place during his three year ministry at the church of Ephesus. You might think, well, who is this? This is the church to whom he wrote that letter we call Ephesians. So these men, Paul has put in charge of his church. He has put them there to be the under-shepherds to Jesus Christ. Not the under-shepherd to Paul, but the under-shepherds to Jesus. Paul has trained them, guided them, worked with them, helped them be the men that they're supposed to be. And now it's time for Paul to go. Paul is showing us in a very real way that we are just interchangeable pieces, we under-shepherds. We work for the one good shepherd. And if he wants to put someone else in our place, he can do that. I've, I've been here in the South Wisconsin district now for five years. And in that time, I can think of maybe five, six, seven pastors who unexpectedly dropped dead. I can think of dozens of pastors who have been called out of their church and into another church, whether that's in the district or out. I can think of other dozens of pastors who have now also come into different churches. In fact, there are going to be a whole spate of new pastors coming in this summer and early fall as the men who just graduated from the seminary are going to be taking their calls. We're interchangeable parts. The church is like one big puzzle piece. And the role of the pastor is one piece of this. Without it, the the church kind of seems to fall apart. But each pastor is like this one puzzle piece. And we are all the very same shape. It doesn't matter if you take me, plug me out, plug another one in. It's still the same thing. Because while it's true I've got my personality and my quirks, and my sins. My job is the very same job that Pastor Weiss had before me. It's the very same job that pastors will have after me. It is the very same job that every single man who fills this office will have until Christ comes again. And that is the very thing that I promised to you on the day of my installation, that I will preach the Word of God rightly, and I will administer His sacraments properly. That is all that I am called to do. Doesn't mean that's all I do, but that's all I'm called to do. And that's an incredible thing. I call it the glorious burden, where it is such a joy to be a pastor and it is so weighty to do these things because indeed I am, in a very real way, as a pastor, not a man, as Jesus to this place. I don't mean to say that my word must be obeyed in every single thing, but that it is when I stand in front of you and I forgive your sins, I am as Jesus to you, speaking on his behalf and with his very voice, your sins are forgiven. When I read the word of God to you, it is as if Jesus is reading this word, that you find in it him being the fulfillment of it all, and being the hope of your salvation. And it is when I step into this pulpit and I preach the word of God that I must preach that word of God rightly and in order. 
And as I preach and explicate, explain the scriptures before you, it is as if Jesus is coming and teaching you about the very word of God. And when I stand at the font and I wash people in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, it is as Jesus washing you with his very own blood. And when I stand at the altar and I bring to you the bread and the wine which bring to you his body and his blood there with them, it is as Jesus is standing before you as the host as of that very meal where he is the substance. The role of the pastor is to be the under-shepherd, which is to serve this very flock as Jesus would serve you, which is to preach the word and deliver the sacraments. As human beings, we must put those adverbs there to preach the word rightly, to administer the sacraments properly. And when this is done, it is Jesus ministering to you. Paul knew this. He sets this up for these Ephesian elders. And elders is just another word for pastors. So he sets up the ministry that he is giving to them. A ministry in service to the church. A ministry in service to Christ. And his only hope and prayer is that he is able to finish the course laid out before him, that he might run the race of faith, and that he might live out the ministry of the gospel of the grace of God. That is what your pastors are called to do. That's it. And I know that's a strange thing to think about, and that comes in so many different ways. It doesn't just mean when I'm up here in this area. But as I come to visit people in the, in the hospitals or, or in their homes, as I pray for you daily, as I work in different ways with you, this is the ministry of the gospel of the grace of God to you. And what is that grace of God? That God should give to you everlasting salvation through the life of death, resurrection, and ascension of His Son, Jesus Christ. If what we do is not in service to that, there is no point to us being here. It's true. But Paul knew for this group, for this church, his ministry was done. He knew. How he knew, don't know exactly. The Holy Spirit told him, don't know if that appeared to him in a dream. I don't know if that was some kind of urge within him. The only thing that he knew was he was to go to Jerusalem and there he would suffer. He didn't know if he was going to Jerusalem to die, though certainly we know that that would be the case eventually, not to Jerusalem, but to Rome. Paul knew that he was leaving. And so he made sure that these people knew what their job was which is to serve under Jesus for the people. It's not to seek out wealth. It's not to seek out assets. It is to minister to the people on behalf of Jesus Christ. It might be, it might be that God calls a pastor into a place and then God calls him out. You never know. It might be that God calls a pastor into a place through you, his church, and God takes his life the very next day. 
It may be that churches go without pastors for a long time. I know that you guys did before I even came. It doesn't really matter. The office of the ministry is bigger than just a single person. It is the preaching of the word and the sacraments administered properly. Because in these things, that's where our hope is. Not in the man, not in the role, but in what the role, what the office, what the person filling that office does. That's where we find our hope as Christians, where Christ who is crucified comes to us, where Christ who is risen comes to us, where he comes and he tells us what he's about. And what he's about is giving to you everlasting life. That's this job. That's this role. I here administer the sacraments. I here preach God's word. I here forgive your sins. And so it has been at St. Peter Emmanuel in all of its different shapes and forms for 174 years. That's what we've done. And that's what we'll do. Because that's what the church always will do. We don't do this just because, well, it's fun, though it is. We don't do it because it's rewarding, though it is. We do it to make sure that you're going to see the day of salvation. Because there will be those wolves that rise up amongst us and around us, seeking to devour you on behalf of Satan himself, to snatch you out of God's hand and to bring you into hell. But... As Jesus tells us, none can snatch those who belong to me out of my hand because the Father has given them to me. And the Father, well, no one can snatch them out of his hand because I and the Father are one. As long as we hear God's word and as long as we actively and regularly participate in the sacraments, none can snatch us out of the hand of Christ. These are what keep us safe. Not just safe in our life here, but safe in the life which is to come. This is where our hope is laid. It's where it's rooted, where the foundation is. Because without these, we have nothing. Without these, I speak like a clanging gong. Without these, there's no point to me. And there's no point to you even being here. But word and sacrament are everything for us because they are Jesus Christ to you. When these come to you, you have your Jesus. So today, let's recount what we've done. You have prayerfully, as you entered this place, remembered that you are a baptized child of God. And in so doing, Jesus is in your mind, and he is sanctifying those thoughts. You bear the name of Jesus from your baptism, and so you carry it into this place, into all the world. You have heard Jesus speak to you that your sins, even the most heinous ones that you think could never be forgiven, have been crucified with Christ. Your sins have been carried on his back. And your sins 
have been forgiven. And so in this, your soul finds its Jesus and its rest in him. You've heard the word of God preached and read to you. And so Jesus is in your ears and making his way inside you. And very soon, you will come to this altar and you will receive the very body and blood of Christ. And so Jesus will be upon your tongue and inside you, strengthening you until the day of his coming. Your Jesus is here, not just so that you feel good, but here to redeem every single part of you, mind, soul, body, strength, and certainly the hope that you have. Turn your eyes, turn your hearts, turn your ears to our Lord, my friends, for it is in he, the good shepherd, that you have your hope, because he is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.